Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, folks. This episode is sponsored by italki where you can find teachers and conversation partners from all over the UK. So if you want regular conversation or English lessons, you can find lots of people on italki who are there to help you build your fluency in English. Go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website for a free lesson when you buy some talking time. So just before we begin properly, I have just a little announcement for any listeners to the podcast in London. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Any London Lepsters out there, uh, here's a message for you. There's going to be a meetup of some London-based uh, listeners to this podcast. And that meetup, that little meeting get-together is going to happen on Sunday, the 30th of July, at 7pm. So that's this coming Thursday, uh, this Thursday? No, Sunday. That's this coming Sunday. I'm recording this on a Thursday, but that's this coming Sunday, right? 30th of July at 7pm at a pub called the Fitzroy Tavern on Charlotte Street uh, in Fitzrovia. And it, that's just an area north of Soho and just to the west of Tottenham Court Road. That area there is called Fitzrovia. Uh, check the page for this episode for the address. Uh, there should also be a Facebook link uh, coming soon, but it's the uh, Fitzroy Tavern, 6 Charlotte Street, Fitzrovia, London. Uh, Fitzrovia is one of my favourite areas of London. There are lots of nice pubs and restaurants. It's a really cool spot, and it sort of reminds me of Sherlock Holmes stories or something as uh, as well. It's a really nice place. Um, Zdenek Lucas of uh, Zdenek's English Podcast is in London at the moment, and he'll be there with any other London-based uh, Lepsters that choose to come out and join him. So the plan is to have some conversation in English, um, uh, to drink a beer or two, and perhaps play some board games, because uh, Zdenek is uh, very keen on board games, and it looks like he's bringing a few with him uh, as well. So uh, head on down to the Fitzroy Tavern uh, on Sunday to practice your English, meet some like-minded people in a cool part of central London, Sunday the 30th of July, 7pm, Fitzroy Tavern on Charlotte Street. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the podcast. This is one of those episodes in which I go through some British comedy and help you to understand it. We'll cover some vocabulary and also some cultural stuff too. Uh, this is also a chance for you to listen to some Scouse English, the kind of English that you might hear in Liverpool. Scouse, that basically means from Liverpool. Um, a Scouser is a person from Liverpool. And in that area, people speak with a Scouse accent. Uh, in fact, uh, you find that accent in many parts of Merseyside. Uh, Merseyside, that means uh, Liverpool and its surrounding areas. 
Um, I'm going to tell you uh, briefly about a popular stand-up comedian from Merseyside, from the Liverpool area, called John Bishop, who is often on the television and on stage across the UK. I think he's probably one of the most famous scousers in the UK these days. Um, We're going to listen to one or two of his routines, which you can find on YouTube. We'll understand them and we'll notice some features of his Liverpool accent. And by the end of the episode, I expect that you will have broadened your vocabulary. You'll also have become more familiar with the way that people speak English in Liverpool. And you'll have learnt some cultural details about family life in the UK. Also, you're going to be introduced to the comedy of John Bishop, who um, you might enjoy. Um, There are various John Bishop videos on YouTube, and you can buy his comedy DVDs, which are very popular in the UK. And if you like what you hear in this episode, you could get one of those DVDs and use it for both learning English and for your own general amusement. So, um, who is John Bishop? Here's a little bit of information about him. So, to cut a long story short, he was born in Liverpool and has lived in the Merseyside area for most of his life. Uh, where is Liverpool? Do you know where, where it is? Well, it's basically in the sort of northwest of England. So just where the north coast of Wales meets the west coast of England, that corner there, that's where you find Liverpool. So people in Liverpool, amongst other things, they are known for having uh, that particular accent, which people say is a mix, a kind of a mix between different influences, including Irish and Welsh, because lots of Irish and and Welsh workers uh, moved into the city during its time as a major industrial port in the 19th century. So lots of Irish and Welsh people came into the city. Uh, Also Lancashire, the kind of the county just to the east of, of of Merseyside, where you find Manchester, and even influences from uh, Scandinavian languages too, uh, that, you know, people who moved over uh, the top of Scotland and then down, um, a lot of kind of Scandinavian um, settlers as well may have influenced the accent over the years. The accent is instantly recognisable to anyone in the UK. So um, John Bishop then, he was born in Liverpool and has lived in the area Uh, for most of his life. Um, In his 20s, he had what seems to have been a fairly boring and ordinary career selling pharmaceuticals. But by the age of 30, he was married. He had a baby son, but he wasn't particularly happy. He ended up getting separated from his wife, and they were going to get divorced. Um, He started doing stand-up comedy during this period because he says it stopped him just staying at home on his own in the evenings and drinking. So it got him out of the house. And the thing is that he found that he was actually quite good at it, and eventually he quit his job to do stand-up full-time. And basically, stand-up comedy saved him, and it rescued his marriage too, because one day, uh, his wife, who was divorcing him at the time, happened to see him on stage during a show, and she went up to him afterwards and told him, you know, uh, tonight on stage, that was the man that I fell in love with years ago. And they then then got back together, and the marriage kind of... um, Uh, didn't end in divorce. It worked out. And since then, his uh, stand-up comedy career has taken off, and he's now one of the most popular and well-known comedians in the UK. He's often on the television, and his uh, stand-up comedy DVDs are very popular. Now he's got quite a big family with three kids, all of them boys. In his comedy, he talks a lot about family life and about being a father, the typical frustrations, difficulties and experiences that many parents go through. Uh, He's definitely a mainstream comedian. 
by that I mean that his his routines are not political, they're not particularly challenging or controversial really, they're not super intellectual, it's just straightforward observational comedy and storytelling. Uh, he's not my absolute number one favourite comedian, but I love stand-up and I definitely enjoy his work, even if he is not my absolute favourite. But he's very successful, I think his appeal is that he's just an ordinary guy and his stories and routines are very relatable People often enjoy them because they can relate to them. Um, so I've mentioned that uh, he's a Scouser from, from Liverpool. Scousers uh, have a reputation in the UK for a few things. One of those things is just for being funny. And this may be a slightly cliched or stereotyped idea that Scousers are all funny. But I do think that it's actually quite true. Having lived in Liverpool myself for four years, I met lots of Scousers who were very funny. Just characters with stories to tell and who had the gift of the gab and good comic timing. The gift of the gab, that means that you're... If you've got the gift of the gab, it means that you can you can talk and talk and talk, basically. Um, and uh, it's something that we... Again, a slight cliche, but maybe it's true. Something we associate with the Irish. Uh, they often will have a, a gift, the gift for the gab. And you see many Irish comedians who just display this kind of articulacy, this flowing kind of discourse. Well, you similarly get that in Liverpool. Maybe it's influenced by the Irish, but uh, the Scousers also have the gift of the gab and also good comic timing. They're able to punctuate their stories and deliver them in a in a funny way. Uh, and John Bishop is a good example of that. Partly it's to do with the Liverpool accent, which has so much character and I think helps the, the delivery of his routines. He tells endearing stories in a, in a relaxed way. He wears a suit and tie on stage, so he's well presented. He's quite handsome and charming, but in a kind of average way. He's like the boy next door kind of guy, just a normal bloke. Um, his delivery is is quite casual and easygoing. He keeps it pretty short and simple with pauses in the right places, which is always a good approach to storytelling. His attitude on stage, as you will hear, is quite dry or deadpan. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, dry humour or deadpan? pan humor wikipedia defines this as um the deliberate display of a lack or of no emotion uh, commonly as a form of comedic delivery to contrast with the ridiculousness of the subject matter the delivery is meant to be blunt sarcastic or apparently unintentional and you hear that in the way that he tells his stories he tells them in a sort of casual way and um, he's almost a bit frustrated when he's telling the story uh, and he's not kind of making it a big show of, of jokes but he's just like a tired father just telling a frustrating story and the way that he delivers it and punctuates it and the the sound of his accent all combine to create sort of uh funny storytelling um usually his stories allow us to see that his life is actually quite frustrating and ridiculous um just like normal life is for everyone from time to time and watching ob observational comedy like this makes you feel good because you totally understand what he's going through because, in fact, your life is quite frustrating and ridiculous too. So it's therapeutic, and that's what's great about comedy. It lets you laugh at life and realise that you're not alone and that we all experience these frustrating things. So let's listen to John Bishop with his Liverpool accent telling us a couple of stories of family life from some um, videos on YouTube. YouTube, and let's pick up some English in the process. I'm going to play you the first clip 
in just a moment. Um, as you listen, I, I wonder what you will be thinking as you listen to him telling the story in his accent. We've done this before, listening to English with different regional accents. You might feel that you can't understand him completely. Um, I think he speaks pretty clearly, actually, delivering stories in a slow but punctuated way. But the accent might be hard for you to understand. You might think, oh, his accent is too strong. I can't understand it. You might think that. I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, you might not be familiar with the with with the Liverpool accent. But remember that English is a very diverse language. You might not want to actually speak like John Bishop, or maybe you do. I don't know. But you certainly should try to understand him. Uh, English comes in many different forms, many different accents. And even if you're not familiar with those accents, they are normal and perfectly valid forms of the language, which everyone can not only understand, but also appreciate. It would be a pity for you to only understand one standard form of English, I think. It would mean that your English was limited. And anyone with a decent sense of English should be exposed to different accents. Uh, David Crystal said it, and we all know it's true. So let's listen to some Scouse English. I understand all of it. So do his audiences. British people don't struggle to understand him at all. Quite the opposite. He's very understandable and relatable. Um, and he draws in very large crowds of people to his shows all across the country. And all those people understand and enjoy the things he says. His Liverpool accent is, in fact, a very important part of his charm. And if it's hard to understand him, I think it would be wise to consider that maybe you're just not familiar with his accent and that you just need to broaden your exposure to English a bit. And, in fact, this is a chance for you to do that. Uh, So, anyway, maybe you won't have any trouble understanding him at all and you'll just enjoy listening to the story let's see so here is john bishop talking about going on holiday with teenage kids and i wonder um for you you know what what are teenage kids like in your country teenage boys what are they like and is it easy to go on holiday with teenage boys what are the kind of challenges that we would experience as parents so you're going to hear him say that he had a massive tour. He went on a big tour doing comedy shows around the country for a year. Um, And he was away from home a lot, so he wanted to spend some quality time with his kids in a kind of nostalgic way, like he imagines it used to be when he was a kid. Kind of go somewhere in the countryside where there's no internet so he can spend some quality time with his teenage sons, spending a sort of idyllic Christmas and New Year's Eve, sitting around the fireplace playing board games, like it was in the old days. But his kids are modern British teenage boys who are addicted to the internet, so that might make things a little bit difficult. Uh, You'll also hear a few sound effects in the video um, because there's like a reconstruction going on with a few sound effects. You can see the video on the page for this episode, but uh, let's now listen to John Bishop talking about going on a holiday with his teenage boys. But that thing that was said at the end about going on holiday with your kids and how they've changed. And what I tried to do for New Year this year, I had a massive year this year. I had a huge tour that took a lot of time. And so I spent a lot of time away. So what I did is I said I want some time with the kids. I want to have a Christmas like we used to have when we were kids. You know, where you'd all sit around a log fire playing board games. You know. <laughs> that never happened, to be honest, there. But I've turned into me, Dad. I've started remembering things that never actually happened. <laughs> I've started pointing at things, saying, see that, I remember when all that was fields. I don't. <laughs> really, yeah, I do, because that's what happens, don't it, when you get older. So I thought, I want to go and have that kind of 
Christmas together. So at Christmas, I booked a cottage in Berwick upon Tweed. And I said, look, it needs to be a cottage with no internet access, no, no Sky TV, none of that stuff. I just want a kind of holiday we used to have. We ended up going up there on New Year and spending New Year up in Berwick upon Tweed. Does anyone know where Berwick upon Tweed is? Yeah. It's miles away. For those who don't know, it is miles away from anywhere. It's, it's on the border between Scotland, England and Narnia. <laughs> I phoned up the cottage and I said, look, I want to rent this cottage, but I want to make sure there's no internet access so the kids aren't playing Xbox and stuff like that. He said, internet? He said, it's Berwick, son. We haven't even got CFAX. <laughs> we drove all the way up there. It took us ages to get there. There was me, Melanie, the three boys, and the dog. <laughs> we turned up at this place, Berwick upon Tweed. We turned up at the cottage in the middle of nowhere. I said to the kids, you can't take your phones. No one said, I took my phone. But I said, you can't take your phone. This is just going to be us having board games, having a family holiday. We arrived at the cottage. We're emptying the car. I'm trying to get the kids to carry the bags in. I don't know if anyone's ever tried to get a teenage boy to do anything. <laughs> but it is, all of a sudden, like you've made them a slave. It's like, why do I have to carry the bag? Why am I going to carry all my own stuff to my own room? the bags, I'll put the bags in, usually go in the living room, put the telly on <laughs> I walked into the living room 15 minutes later and this is how the world has changed I walked in, as I said, I asked that there was no satellite television but there was a television, there was a normal telly there, a telly with the back on it a telly, I walked in, the kids are sat on the couch like that, I said what's wrong they said it's crap here, I said what I said the telly doesn't even work <laughs> I walked over to the television. <laughs> I pressed a button. The telly came on. My kids thought I was a wizard. All right, then. So there you go. That was uh, John Bishop there talking about going on a holiday with his uh, kids. Did you understand all of that? Did you understand all of it? Well, I'll tell you what, let's go through it again and break it down so that you understand it all of it, just like I do, hopefully. So let's let, let's listen uh, again here. So he's talking about going on tour for a year, right? With your kids and how they've changed. And what I tried to do for New Year this year, I had a massive year this year. I had a massive year this year. Can you hear his accent? Well, we might notice a few different bits about uh, bits of his accents as we move through this. But um, um, what I'll do is I'll pause it, and I want you to try and repeat to yourself what he said. So I'll play a little bit, pause it, and see if you can maybe repeat what he said, or at least identify what he said after I've paused it. Yeah, I had a huge tour that took a lot of time, and so I had a huge tour that took a lot of time. Do you notice the way he says time? It's like time, like that. Oh, I spent a lot of time away. So what I did is I said I want some time with the kids. I want to have a Christmas like we used to have. I want to have a Christmas like we used to have. I want to have a Christmas like we used to have. I want to have a Christmas like we used to have. When we were kids. You know, we'd all sit around a log fire playing board games. We'd all sit around a log fire playing board games. Okay, uh, this is this sort of idyllic version of uh, childhood that he sort of remembers or imagines that he remembers. No. <laughs> that never happened. 
happened, to be honest there. But I've turned into me dad. I've started remembering things that never actually happened. I've started remembering things that never actually happened. Um, so he's turned into his dad. So apparently he's saying that when you get older... Uh, when you when you get older, when you t- you know when you get to sort of like your dad's age, you start to remember the past in this nostalgic way. You start to look at the past with through rose tinted glasses, and you start imagining there was ever a time where the family would get together around a log fire playing board games and everything was fine and happy when there was no internet. Fire playing board games. No. <laughs> to be honest there but I've turned into me dad I've started remembering things that never actually happened <laughs> I've started pointing at things saying see that I remember when all that was fields I don't I started pointing at things and saying see that I remember when all that was fields so you might be in a part of your town where you know let's say 40 years ago there were no buildings there it was just fields you, you might imagine an old man going you see all that I remember when all that was fields so he's saying that uh, he started saying these things as he's got older, even though they're not true. He doesn't remember that all that was just fields. It just feels like this, the kind of thing that you say when you reach a certain age. I've started pointing at things saying, you see that, I remember when all that was fields. I don't. Really, I do, because that's what happens to when you get older. So I thought, I want to go and have that kind of Christmas together. So at Christmas, I booked a cottage in Berwick upon Tweed. I booked a cottage in Berwick upon Tweed. Uh, I booked a cottage. A cottage is like a little house that's not attached to any other houses, just like a little house probably in the countryside. In Berwick upon Tweed. Berwick upon Tweed is just like a part of the country that's a bit remote, um, the sort of place where you could have a little cottage in the countryside. Uh, in Berwick upon Tweed. And I said, look, it needs to be a cottage with no internet access, no, no Sky TV, none of that stuff. I just want a kind of holiday we used to have. We ended up going up there on New Year and spending New Year up in Berwick-upon-Tweed. Does anyone know where Berwick-upon-Tweed is? Yeah. It's miles away. For those who don't know, it is miles away from anywhere. It's, it's on the border between Scotland, England and Narnia. <laughs> It's on the border between Scotland, England, and Narnia. You know what Narnia is? You know, like uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Narnia is like this this sort of faraway kingdom, this magical land. So he's saying Berwick-upon-Tweed is so remote, it's on the border between England, Scotland, and Narnia. Uh, so it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, you might say. <laughs> I phoned up the cottage. I said, look, I want to rent this cottage, but I want to make sure there's no internet access. I I phoned up the cottage and I said, so to phone up someone or phone someone up, I phoned up the cottage and said, I want to rent this cottage, but I want to make sure there's no internet access. I phoned up the cottage. I said, look, I want to rent this cottage, but I want to make sure there's no internet access so the kids aren't playing Xbox and stuff like that. So the kids aren't playing Xbox and stuff like that. Uh, So the kids aren't playing Xbox and stuff like that. So he wants to rent a cottage with no internet access. Uh, so his kids aren't playing Xbox and stuff like that. He said internet. He said it's Berwickson. We haven't even got CFAC. Internet. It's Berwickson. In um, Xbox and stuff like that. He said internet. He said it's Berwickson. We haven't even got CFAC. Internet. It's Berwickson. So internet. It's Berwick, mate. It's Berwickson. We haven't even got CFAC. So CFAX is something that we used to have on TV. I don't know if we've still got it, but it was back in the days before the internet 
and uh, you, I, I imagine that you had CFAX in your countries too, but it would be like this service on your TV where you could press a button and the screen would go black and you'd get all, these, all this writing on the screen with these numbers. So it would be stuff like the news, the, 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 the weather forecast, um, and the money markets and stuff like that. Sports results uh, were available through CFAX. And you could sort of like uh, go through CFAX by typing in page numbers and it would take you to the page. And there'd be like this main page with your different page numbers for things like news and sport and stuff like that. So that was, that was CFAX, like a really basic looking uh, screen with just like red letters or blue letters or green letters. It looks so basic. Uh, so the guy's like, I want to rent this cottage. I want to make sure there's no internet. And the guy's like, internet, this is Berwick. We haven't even got CFAX. <laughs> we drove all the way up there. It took us ages to get there. There was me, Manly, the three boys and the dog. We drove all the way up there. It took us ages to get there. It took us ages to get there. It was me, my, what, my wife, the three kids and the dog. <laughs> we turned up at this place, Berwick upon Tweed. We turned up, we turned up. We turned up. If you turn up at a place, it means you arrive. So we turned up at this place in Berwick-upon-Tweed. We turned up at the cottage in the middle of nowhere. I said to the kids, you can't take your phones. No one said, I took my phone. But I said, you can't take your phone. You can't take your phones. Uh, but I took my phone. But you can't take your phones. I think you, you got that one, right? The kids, you can't take your phones. No one said, I took my phone. But I said, you can't take your phone. This is just going to be us having board games, having a family holiday. We arrived at the cottage. We're emptying the car. I'm trying to get the kids to carry the bags in. We, uh, we're emptying the car. We're emptying the car. I'm trying to get the kids to do something. Have you noticed he's telling the whole story in the present tense? Have you noticed that? Uh, we're emptying the car. I'm trying to get the kids to do something. Uh, all in the present tense. Sometimes when you're telling anecdotes, we do put them in the present tense, honestly. Um, you know, did I tell you about what happened to me? So I'm walking down the street and this guy comes up to me and he goes, Oi, are you Luke from Luke's English Podcast? And I said, and I turned around, I turned around to him and I said, oh, suddenly I've gone back to the past simple, haven't I? I turned around to him and I said, Oi, um, this is an anecdote, isn't it? Yes. And the guy was like, yeah, it is an anecdote. And it's not going anywhere. No. Can we just keep walking down the street and forget we ever even met? Yes. Okay. Great. Bye. That's the end of the anecdote. Um, that was weird. That was an anecdote that went wrong. Um, anyway, he's just notice he's telling the story in the, in the, um, using present tenses, which kind of brings an anecdote into the immediate sort of, it kind of pulls you into the anecdote and makes it a bit more immediate. He carried the bags in. I don't know if anyone's ever tried to get a teenage boy to do anything. <laughs> but it is, all of a sudden, like you've made them a slave. It's like, why do I have to get in the bag? It's, it, I don't know if you've ever tried to make a teenage boy do anything, but it is like, all of a sudden, you've made them a slave. And then he does the classic teenager, I don't want to do it, I hate you! Which is how teenage boys speak uh, in England, apparently. You know, what?! You know, that kind of thing. Horrible monsters, teenage boys. Absolute uh, gremlins from another dimension, aren't they? It happens to all um, all kind of uh, young boys. Eventually, they become teenagers, and then they become these surly, sort of slightly aggressive, uh, uh, night-dwelling creatures that um, can't make eye contact anymore, you know? Uh, so it's quite. it must be quite difficult to have teenage boys on holiday with you because it's impossible to get them to do anything. All of a sudden, like you've made them a slave. It's like, why do 
have to get in the back. Where am I going to carry all my own stuff to my own room, in my own bag? I hate you. Why do I have to carry my own stuff to my own room? Uh, I hate you. So forget it. Leave the bags. I'll put the bags in. Use three. Go in the living room. Put the telly on. Use three. Go in the living room and put the telly on. Use three. Have you noticed that? Not you three, but use three. Use is kind of like a plural version of you, which you'd get in English sometimes. It's generally regarded as like a colloquialism, really. Because uh, in, let's say, standard English, standard British English, we don't have a plural you. It's just you, isn't it? You for one person or you for many people. But you do get various forms of plural you. So, like, for example, in America, you might hear y'all, which is like you all, y'all, uh, in certain parts of America. Or you guys, you hear that all the time. Okay, you guys. Hi, you guys. Uh, meaning all of you, and in England you might get uh, yous as well, which is, I guess, a sort of an Irish thing. I've heard that from people in, in certainly Northern Ireland. Who are yous? What are yous doing? Um, but in Liverpool too, yous three, go in the go in the living room, put the telly on. Forget it. Leave the bags. I'll put the bags in. Yous three, go in the living room, put the telly on. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into the living room 15 minutes later, and this is how the world has changed. I walked into the living room 15 minutes later, 15 minutes later, and this is how the world has changed. This is how the world has changed. So this is all about how his kids are so out of touch with old technology, they don't even know how to turn on the TV. I walked in, as I said, I asked that there was no satellite television. But there was a television. There was a normal telly there. A telly with the back on it. A telly. <laughs> the kids are sat on the couch like that. I said, what's wrong? They said, there's crap here. I said, what? I said, the telly doesn't even work. The telly doesn't even work. Do you hear the way he said work? The telly doesn't even work. It's crap here. Crap. Not crap, but crap. There's that sort of um, slightly rhotic R, which... I think they call it an alveolar flap, which is not the most attractive uh, name for a bit of pronunciation. But the alveolar flap, that's where uh, the tongue sort of flaps on an R sound. So instead of saying crap, it's crap, crap. So the tongue sort of touches the alveolar ridge, which is the part of your mouth just behind your teeth. There's like that soft, soft, hardish, softish kind of ridge of, of your of like uh, flesh in your mouth just behind your teeth that's the alveolar ridge and when some when uh, a scouser says crap they go crap like that it's not like a full-on rolled r it's just once okay so that with r sounds uh, often is what scousers will will do uh, so it's crap here um what's wrong they said it's crap here i said what I said the telly doesn't even work <laughs> I walked over to the television. I walked over to the television. I pressed a button. The telly came on. My kids thought I was a wizard. I walked over. I pushed a, pushed a button and the telly came on. My kids thought I was a wizard. Okay, all right then. So that's, um, that's one about him going on holiday with his kids. Um, now let's move on to hear him talking again about his teenage sons. This one is about really growing up and going through puberty. Do you know what puberty is? Um, well, that's what all teenage kids go through. It's like a sort of hormonal change. 
where I guess, you know, you stop being a kid and you turn into an adult. And it includes things as like what? Ooh, uh, certain developments in certain parts of the body. I guess the sexual organs undergo a few different developments, don't they? Uh, as, a, as a boy at school, you know, when you're doing uh, your sports classes, physical education, PE, uh, that's often a very embarrassing time because you get a range of ages in your year at school so for example you know you get might get one kid who's kind of like quite young for the year and one who's quite old for the year and uh, also you get people at different stages of development so when you're doing PE you do your sport and afterwards you end up in the shower and you've got kids from your year in the shower who are basically like adults it's just like having an adult man in the shower and then like these other kids who are just sort of starting to go through puberty so it's all complicated and okay i think you know what puberty is now don't you so this is him talking about growing up when teenagers go through puberty all the hormones and stuff and also the possibility of getting your head kicked in by your own son if you if you get your head kicked in which is um quite a typical phrase get your head kicked in means to get beaten up by someone um okay so imagine two people have a fight and one of them like gets his head kicked in it means that the other guy beat him up right so it's about growing up puberty hormones getting your head kicked in by your own son and also uh, the fact that when you get to a certain age as a man um all you need to do is put on a pair of white trainers and you're going to look like a, a, a middle-aged man you're just going to look completely uncool so the problem of like looking uncool when you wear white trainers as a an adult of a certain age and then the the fear of getting your head kicked in by your own teenage uh, son. Uh let's check this one out then. Here we go. I think we know that there comes a time in a man's life where if you're seen wearing brand new white training shoes with jeans, there's a very good chance you're going to look a little bit special. life where you've reached the age that if you are seen wearing brand new white training shoes with jeans you're going to look like you should be holding hands with another responsible adult <laughs> and I bought these brand new white trainers Adidas they were, apparently they were retro I didn't even know what that meant And I, 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 I've, got, I've got three lads three, three teenage boys and uh, one's nearly 16 One's 14, one's, one's 12. And, 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 you know, and, and I know there's, there may well be teenagers in here tonight. And I know it's a difficult thing being a teenager. And if you're a teenager in here tonight, you probably don't realise how much of a cock you are most of the time. <laughs> you just do your bleed. Nothing, don't they? But, but, but having said that, it's hard being a teenager. And every man in here remembers what it was like. Because again, for men, because we're competitive... Even being a teenager is competitive. Even going through puberty is a competition. Every man in here remembers what it was like when you were 12 or 13, running home from school every day to look in the mirror to see if you've grown a moustache during the afternoon. And every morning you wake up and look down to see if anything's going on downstairs because you don't want to be the last in school, do you? You don't want to be the last to go through puberty. And then you have a week off school for half term and you come back after a week away. And you do PE, and you walk into the showers all self-conscious. 
And then some kid walked in with a beard and bollocks by his knees. <laughs> Everyone goes, Jesus, Tony, what happened to you? I don't fucking know. come flying in and you've got no control of my oldest lad his voice has been breaking which is the funniest thing on the planet bar none I mean I have conversations with him now I don't need to have just to hear him speak I'll say things to him like what time's this on I think about what's the weather like outside Oh, it was funny. Oh, it's <laughs> Honestly, it's like, it's like living with Scooby-Doo. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, like all teenagers now, he's massive. And I was getting the kids ready to take them out for something to eat. And I was downstairs with the other two. We're waiting for him. He comes walking downstairs in my shoes, in my brand new white trainer. <laughs> I've not even wore them myself. He's gone into the room, put them on his feet, he's walked, that's how big he is, size nine, feet. He comes walking downstairs in my shoes. I said, hey, what are you doing with them on? He went, I want to win. <laughs> no, it's very difficult to argue and laugh at the same time. And then I went, I said, they're mine. They're my brand new white trainers. I said, go upstairs and take them off. You mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to win. I said, hey, hey, I said, I'm not asking you. I said, they're mine. Now go upstairs and take them off. I said, look, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, get up them stairs and take my trainers off. You know what he said? Make me. challenge, isn't it? That's like the little line taking on the big line. All the other lines are running angle. It's kicking off here. Look at this. We're stood toe-to-toe. He stood in front of me toe-to-toe. He's like, he's as big as I am. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking straight in his eyes. He's looking in my eyes. I'm looking in his eyes. And for the first time in the 15 years of his life, I could see he was thinking, I can take him. And I'm stood there, and I'm looking in his eyes. And for the first time in the 15 years of his life, I was thinking, there's a chance he can take me here. <laughs> and there is nothing more scary on this planet than thinking you're going to get your head kicked in with your own shoes. <laughs> I do like the ending of that story, I have to say. There's nothing scarier in this life than thinking you're going to get your head kicked in with your own shoes. I do like that that as an ending to the story. Any good story needs to have a nice, stupid punchline at the end, don't you think? Let's go through that again and let's see uh, if, if we can... Let's see what we can get from this, okay? Did you understand the story? I wonder if you're getting used to his accent yet. Um, let's see. Um, all right, then. Let's begin. I think we know... That there comes a time in a man's life. 
this is a phrase that we use. There comes a time in a man's life. It's kind of a, a fairly serious sounding phrase, but it's been used a number of times before. There comes a, there comes a time in every man's life. Where if you're seen wearing brand new white training shoes. Brand new. Can you hear that? That kind of rotic R. Brand new uh, white training shoes. With jeans, there's a very good chance you're going to look a little bit special. There's a very good chance you're going to look. Now, very, there's that, that alveolar flap in, in, there's a very good chance, very, uh, good chance you're going to look. So look as well is that k at the end of look. It's more like a k sound. You're going to look a little bit special. That's a feature of Scouse English, that k for k sounds especially at the end of words there's a very good chance you're going to look a little bit special if you look special in english certainly in british english if you describe someone as special it can mean two things one meaning could be you know the normal version of special like you might say to someone that you love you know you're really special to me you know that kind of thing uh but um also if you describe someone as special i think he i think he's a little bit special that means that I don't know that it kind of looks what a bit sort of mm, it's a bit politically incorrect, a bit mentally ill, something like that. I remember you know when we were kids, you'd see the school bus, and then there was another school bus, like a smaller one. It was a, this blue van, and that was like the special bus with all the special kids on it. So that's how special can also be used. A um, bit politically incorrect, but there it is. Um, he said, so if, you know, if you're, there comes a time in every man's life when if you wear some brand new white training shoes, you there's a chance that you might look a little bit special. Jeans, there's a very good chance you're going to look a little bit special. life where you've reached the age that if you are seen wearing brand new white training shoes with jeans you're going to look like you should be holding hands with another responsible adult you're going to look like you're holding, you should be holding hands with another responsible adult so if someone is a bit special then they probably need to be accompanied by a responsible adult right so if you you know if you're wearing brand new white trainers with jeans there's a good chance you're going to end up looking like someone who should be holding hands with a responsible adult. Be holding hands with another responsible adult. <laughs> and I bought these brand new white trainers. So the point is, you know, he's making fun of himself because he bought these white trainers. And the thing is that, you know, they make him look a bit special. So he's not cool anymore. You know, you get to a certain age when you just stop being cool. It doesn't matter if you know, the clothes that you would have worn when you were younger just suddenly don't look cool on you anymore. <laughs> and I bought these brand new white trainers. Adidas they were. Apparently they were retro. I didn't even know what that meant. And I, I, I... Apparently they were retro. I didn't even know what that meant. So he's still being this self-deprecating thing, talking about how he's not cool and he's too old to be cool anymore. Uh, if trainers are described as retro, it means they're a, the style is kind of slightly old-fashioned. So um, you might get like Adidas trainers or Adidas trainers, uh, which look like the design from the 1970s. That that means that they're retro trainers. I've got I've got three lads, three three teenage boys, and uh, one's nearly sixteen. One's 14, one's, one's 12. And, 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 you know, 
And, and I know there may well be teenagers in here tonight, and I know it's a difficult thing being a teenager. And if you're a teenager in here tonight, you probably don't realise how much of a cock you are most of the time. <laughs> uh, you don't realise how much of a cock you are most of the time. A cock is a fairly rude word. It's not one of the rudest, but it's fairly rude. If you describe someone as a cock, it's like saying that they're a dick or a dickhead, uh, an annoying twat or something like that. So, you'd come on, mate, you're being a cock, for example. So, uh, it must be hard for teenagers, you know, you, but you don't realise how much of a cock you are most of the time. They just do you bleed nedding, don't they, bro? They just do you bleed nedding, don't they? They do your head in. If something does your head in, it means it's really annoying. Can you stop making that noise? You're doing my head in, for example. Um, so, they just do your head in, don't they, teenagers? Teenagers in here tonight, and I know it's a difficult thing being a teenager. And if you're a teenager in here tonight, you probably don't realise how much of a cock you are most of the time. <laughs> they just do you bleed nedding, don't they, but... They just do, do you bleed nedding, don't they, but... They just do your bleeding head in, don't they, but... They just do you bleed nedding, don't they, but... Nedding, don't they, but... <laughs> said that it's hard being a teenager and every man in here remembers what it was like because again for men because we're competitive even being a teenager is competitive even going through puberty is a competition every man in here remembers what it was like when you were 12 or 13 running home from school every day to look in the mirror to see if you've grown a moustache he sounds so scouse here, I have to say. I understand that he also has lived in Runcorn for a period, but anyway, that, I still consider that to be like Merseyside. But he just sounds so scouse here. Are you, have, you, have you noticed? Running home from school every day. Running home from school every day. To look in the mirror. To look in the mirror. To see if you've grown a moustache. <laughs> to see if you've grown a moustache. He sounds really scouse. Good afternoon. Uh, running home every day, looking in the mirror to see if you've grown a moustache. Running home from school, uh, looking in the mirror to see if you've grown a moustache. And every morning you wake up and look down to see if anything's going on downstairs. What does he mean by downstairs? Every morning you look down to see what's going on downstairs. Well, of course, you don't see him unless you're watching the video. He's kind of looking in his pants. Because you're checking to see what's going on downstairs. And every morning you wake up and look down to see if anything's going on downstairs. Because you don't want to be the last in school, do you? You don't want to be the last to go through puberty. And then you have a week off school for half term. And you come back after a week away. That you have a week off school for half term. In England, um, you've got terms at school. And you have like bigger holidays at the beginning and the end of those terms. So you might have, for example, the summer holiday and then you get the, the autumn term up to Christmas, you see. And then from Christmas you have one to Easter. And then from Easter you have one, I guess, until the end of the year, right? But, but in the middle of those, you get a week off uh, school. It's called half term, the half term holidays. So you get a week off in the middle of each term. Uh, so he's talking about, um, what, uh, half-term holidays? And then you'd have a week off school for half-term, and you come back after a week away, and you do PE. You do PE, that's physical, physical education. Uh, sports ed, I guess they call it in America. Anyway, you, you, you do PE, you see, you've been away for a week, you come back, you do PE, and I imagine you notice that some of the kids have 
um, developed somewhat uh, in that period. For half term, and you come back after a week away, and you do PE, and you walk into the showers all self-conscious. You walk into the showers all self-conscious. And then some kid walked in with a beard and bollocks by his knees. Some kid walks in with a beard and bollocks by his knees. Bollocks, we've had that word on the podcast recently. Bollocks, uh, technically it means testicles. Um, So uh, some kid comes in with a beard and bollocks by his knees. Well, I was talking before about the experiences of, um, you know, taking showers at the end of PE at school. And, you know, that's that's exactly it. You might suddenly one day see uh, one of the kids from your class walk in with a beard and bollocks by his knees. Maybe not that much, but uh, something similar to that. Jesus, Tony, what happened to you? Hello, Jesus, Tony, what happened to you? Jesus, Tony, what happened to you? I don't fucking know. But he's going through puberty, so his voice is breaking. This is the other thing that happens when you go through puberty. If you're a boy, your voice breaks, and there's a period where your voice is breaking, and um, that's when, you know, you just don't get control of of your voice or something. Because that's what happens, the hormones just come flying in. Because that's what happens, the hormones just come flying in and you've got no control of it. My oldest lad, his voice has been breaking, which is the funniest thing on the planet, bar none. My oldest lad, his voice has been breaking, which is the funniest thing on the planet, bar none. So, bar none is a way of, uh, you can use that with like superlatives. It's the the best movie of the year, bar none. It's the most delicious restaurant in the city, bar none. So if you say bar none at the end of a superlative, it's like a way of emphasising that this is absolutely the 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 superlative thing, you know. Um, so bar none. It's the blah 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 bar none. It's the coldest day of the year, bar none. For example. Um, Oldest lad, his voice has been breaking, which is the funniest thing on the planet, bar none. I mean, I have conversations with him now I don't need to have just to hear him speak. I have com- Have you noticed all the H sounds we're missing there? I have conversations with him now that I don't need to have just to hear him speak. Conversations with him now I don't need to have just to hear him speak. I'll say things to him like, what time is it, son? I think about... <laughs> what time is it, son? What time is it? There's that Scouse accent again. What time is it, son? I think it's about four o'clock. <laughs> What's the weather like outside? Oh, it was funny. Oh, it's <laughs> No idea what his son said there, but uh, what's the weather like outside? What's the weather like outside? What's the weather like outside? Oh, it was funny. Oh, it's Honestly, it's like, it's like living with Scooby-Doo. It's brilliant. 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 Now he's massive, and I was getting the kids ready to take them out. I was getting the how scouse was that? I was getting the kids ready to take them out. I was I was getting the kids ready to take them out. But like all teenagers now, he's massive, and I was getting the kids ready to take them out. 
Jesus now, he's massive. And I was getting the kids ready to take them out for something to eat. And I was downstairs with the other two. We're waiting for him. He comes walking downstairs in my shoes, in my brand new white trainer. <laughs> I've not even worn them myself. He's gone into the room, put them on his feet. He's walked. That's how big he is. Size nine feet. He comes walking downstairs in my shoes. He comes walking downstairs in my shoes. That's how big he is. Size nine. Brilliant. Size nine feet. He comes walking downstairs in my shoes. I said, hey, what are you doing with them on? He went, hey. That's another really scouse thing. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, hey. Like that. Hey, Mace. Hey, what are you doing? Are you wearing my shoes? Are you wearing my shoes? I'm going to kick your head in, Mace. You got to take them shoes off. Now stairs in my shoes. I said, hey, what are you doing with them on? He went, I want to wear them. <laughs> no. I imagine that's, I want to wear them. I want to wear them. It's very difficult to argue and laugh at the same time. And now I said, they're mine. They're my brand new white trainers. I said, go upstairs and take them off. He went, I want to wear them. I said, hey, hey, I said, I'm not asking you. I said, they're mine. Now go upstairs and take them off. Now this is, this is like, you know, how you would really forcefully make someone do something. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Right? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Go upstairs and take those trainers off their mind. They're my brand new white trainers. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Hey, hey, I said, I'm not asking you. I said, they're mine. Now go upstairs and take them off. I said, look, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Get up them stairs and take my trainers off. Get up them stairs and take my trainers off. Get up them stairs. Do you notice that? Get up them stairs, not get up those stairs. It's, that's probably how I'd say it. Get up those stairs in my in my accent. Get up the get up those stairs. <laughs> get up them stairs. Them instead of those. Okay? You know what he said? Make me. <laughs> you know what he said? Make me. Make me. So this is like this is fighting talk, isn't it? This is fighting talk. Make me. And that's what you would say to someone as, as a way of saying, I'm not going to do it, you have to make me do it. Which is like, you know, that's fighting talk, isn't it? You know what he said? Make me. <laughs> that's a proper challenge, isn't it? That's like the little line taking on the big line. All the other lines are running angle. It's kicking off here, look at this. It's like the little lion taking on the big lion. If you take someone on, it means you challenge them. It's like the little lion taking on the big lion and all the other lions are going, uh, oh, it's kicking off here. If something kicks off, it means that a fight is starting. It's kicking off outside the pub. That means there's a fight starting outside the pub. Pub. It's kicking off here. Like the little lion taking on the big lion. All the other lions are running angle. It's kicking off here. Look at this. We're stuck toe-to-toe. He stood in front of me toe-to-toe. He's like, he's as big as I am. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking straight in his eyes. He's looking in my eyes. I'm looking in his eyes. I'm looking in, I'm looking in his eyes. He's looking in my eyes. I'm looking in his eyes. A lot of looking going on there. I'm looking, I'm looking in your eyes. He's looking, I'm looking in his eyes. He's looking at me. I'm looking straight in his eyes. He's looking in my eyes. I'm looking in his eyes. (laughs) 
I'm stood there and I'm looking in his eyes and for the first time in the 15 years of his life I was thinking there's a chance he can take me here there's a chance he can take me here there's a chance he can take me here so there's a chance he could beat me in a fight okay and there is nothing more scary on this planet than thinking you're going to get your head kicked in with your own shoes All right, folks, how are you getting on here? How are you doing? Are you getting used to his accent yet? Let's have one more before we call it a day on this episode. What I'm actually planning to do is um, uh, I'm planning also to go through uh, an episode where I just talk about the Liverpool accent and a few other things about Liverpool um, in, in order to try and break it down. Because we've had a few things like K sounds sounding like, you know, like like, for example, look, looking in his eyes. Uh, instead of looking in his eyes, so the K sound. We had certain vowel sounds like um, what? What else? What? What do we have? The first time, not first er, uh, but air. Eh. First time, like that, um, and a few different features. So I am planning to go through an episode in which I examine the different features of um, like the Liverpool accent and go into all that stuff. But um, let's just carry on, just instead just following uh, some of these routines by uh, John Bishop and trying to understand them. So starting with that, and then later on we can actually pick apart the accent features and things like that. Here's uh, a final clip about uh, how he uh, got a new fridge. A fridge, of course, uh, a refrigerator. That's what you have in the kitchen. It keeps your milk and butter and stuff. It keeps it all cold. So you've got your, ref- your refrigerator or fridge and then the freezer as well as the um, the other one that, that you use to make ice or whatever. But the fridge to keep stuff cold. So he gets a new fridge and then he has to take his old fridge to the dump. So the dump is where traditionally in the UK, you know, most towns would have a dump nearby and you would take any stuff that you need to get rid of, probably big things that you can't just put in the bin. Uh, you'd take it to the dump and you throw it into the dump, right? And it was always quite fun when I was a kid going with my dad to the dump when we had to get rid of some stuff and you drive it up there and park the car and get all the stuff out. And then there are these huge, uh, sort of massive containers full of rubbish 
of different kinds. So there's all the metal rubbish, all the bits of furniture, the wooden stuff, you know, all the different types of rubbish. And you chuck the rubbish into the thing, into the right container, and it sort of crashes in and makes a big noise. And it's really good fun when you're a teenage boy to like chuck large objects into the into the dump, you know. So he takes his old fridge to the dump. But these days, you can't just throw a fridge into the dump because there are environmental issues to consider. And so there's paperwork to be done. And it's actually a more complicated process. And it's, I guess, a sign of the times. You hear some people in England going, oh, it's bloody, you know, it's health and safety gone mad, or it's political correctness gone mad. Um, And when they get frustrated about having to, you know, sign some paperwork to protect the environment. Uh, But anyway, this is John Bishop getting a new fridge and uh, having to uh, get rid of the other one. Here we go. I just got an iPod. It holds 24,000 songs. I've got six CDs. <laughs> and you just buy stuff, don't you? Like, like we bought a new fridge. We bought a new fridge. And, uh, and we had a fridge. There was nothing wrong with the fridge that we had. It just wasn't massive. So my wife wanted a new fridge, she wanted a new silver fridge that's the size of a bungalow. So, so she wanted a new fridge and because I liked sex, I said yeah. <laughs> and, and we got this fridge and, and, and the best thing about this fridge, the big selling point about this fridge is that you can get instant cold water direct from the fridge, which is... I've got to be honest, that hasn't half changed our lives. Because what we've decided to do is to put the fridge in the kitchen next to the sink. I'm probably saving myself a yard of walking every day. But what that meant is that we had the spare fridge. So I took the spare fridge to the dump. Now, as I say, going to the dump used to be great. You could go to the dump and get rid of stuff. Now you go to the dump, you've got to pass an exam. I turned up, turned up at the dump, there's a fella there with a yellow vest and a clipboard who's done an MVQ in clipboard management. <laughs> I turned up at the dump. He said, what have you got? I said, rubbish. And he said, well, what's in the back? I said, the fridge. He said, woof. You can't bring that here. I said, why? He said, we've got an environmental policy now. You can't just bring a fridge here. I said, why not? He said, well, fridges have got fairons in. You can't just dump a fridge anymore. I said, well, what has to happen? He said, well, you'd have to phone us up. I said, then what happens? He said, then we come and get it. I said, who do I ring? And he gave me a number. I'm sat in the van. I've got my phone out. I pressed the number. The phone in his hut rang. He went to the hut. He answered the phone. He said, hello. I said, I've got a fridge. He said, where are you? I said, I'm outside, dickhead. Okay. All right. So do you understand the 
problem he had trying to get rid of his fridge and all that stuff let's go through it again and break it down um so you can understand it all okay here we go i just got an ipod it holds twenty-four thousand songs I just got an iPod. It holds 24,000 songs, right? You all understood that, didn't you? But what's the joke? I just got, I've got an iPod that holds 24,000 songs. I've got six CDs. <laughs> all right, it's a common thing, isn't it? It's a fairly common thing that kind of people say that they get an iPod where they've only got six CDs worth of music. So it's, it's ridiculous having 24,000 songs worth of space. <laughs> The point is, I think, that he's saying that he's rubbish with technology, that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't really even need it. And you just buy stuff, don't you? Like, like, we bought a new fridge. We bought a new fridge. and We bought a new fridge. Fridge. Uh, and we had a fridge. There was nothing wrong with the fridge that we had. It just wasn't massive. There was nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't massive. The point being that his wife obviously uh, wasn't happy with their f- current fridge because it wasn't big enough and she wanted a massive fridge for the kitchen. So there was nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't massive. And we had the fridge. There was nothing wrong with the fridge that we had. It just wasn't massive. <laughs> so my wife wanted a new fridge. She wanted a new silver fridge that's the size of a bungalow. So- she wanted a new silver fridge that's the size of a bungalow. A bungalow is a bit like a cottage, you know, a house, but it's a house with uh, only one floor, so it's not. there's no upstairs. Anyway, it's just a, a large building, I suppose. Uh, she wanted a fridge the size of a bungalow. A bungalow's like a small house, basically. So she wanted a new fridge, and because I like sex, I said, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you understand that one, don't you? She wanted a new fridge, and because I like sex, I said yes. I mean, isn't this uh, one of those uh, uh, factors that uh, dictates most relationships? I don't know. The woman wants this thing, and because the guy likes sex, he agrees. I don't know. Anyway, that's clearly how it works in uh, his uh, relationship. Fridge, and because I like sex, I said yeah. This fridge and, and, and the best thing about this fridge, the big selling point about this fridge, is that you can get instant cold water direct from the fridge. Which- so here, here he's being deadpan, right? He's being sarcastic and deadpan. He's talking about like uh, how this is the great selling point of the fridge, but in his kind of weary deadpan delivery, it's it, you know it helps you realise that this is what other people have said about it, but he's not convinced. Cold water. Point. And we got this fridge, and, and, and the best thing about this fridge, the big selling point about this fridge, is that you can get instant cold water direct from the fridge, which is, I've got to be honest, that hasn't half changed our lives. So, a pure sarcasm, right? Obviously. You know, I've got to be honest, that hasn't half changed our lives, which means that has changed our lives a lot. That's completely changed our lives. I've got to be honest, that hasn't half changed our lives. That hasn't half done something. That hasn't half changed our lives. And it means that it has done that a lot. You know, that hasn't half made it easier, meaning that has made it a lot easier. That hasn't half changed our life, meaning that's changed our life a lot. Did you know that one? Did you know that one? Uh, well, there it is. Gotta be honest, that hasn't half changed our lives. Now, that's kind of... Um, 
I guess, sort of colloquial English, but very common, you know, but it's just a, an example of a little colloquial structure that you might find. That hasn't half changed our lives. Direct from the fridge, which is, I've got to be honest, that hasn't half changed our lives. Because <laughs> what we've decided to do is to put the fridge in the kitchen next to the sink. What we've decided to do is put the fridge in the kitchen next to the sink. Now, of course, the sink is where you get cold running water already. So, you know, again, his understatement, but the suggestion is that he thinks it's a stupid idea and it's ridiculous to put this big expensive fridge. uh, With The only selling point for it was that you could get cold running water. You can already get that from the sink, but we've decided to put the fridge next to the sink. Uh, Obviously, it's all a stupid idea, but he has to agree with it because um, he likes sex. I'm probably saving myself a yard of walking every day. I'm saving myself. I'm probably saving myself. Me self, not myself. Me, not my. Again, another feature of uh, this sort of regional version of English, let's say. Um, I'm saving myself a yard of walking each time. I'm saving myself a yard of walking. A yard it's a unit of measurement, and it's uh, it's less than a metre. Uh, how long is a yard? Because, we, you know, this is another form of measurement. You've got inches and feet and yards and miles. Um, one yard is about 0.9 metres, so it's just less than a than a meter basically that's a yard so uh he's saving himself a yard of walking uh, uh, all the time uh, because of the fridge being next to the sink i'm probably saving myself a yard of walking every day <laughs> again you know sarcasm um it's delivered with sarcasm so the, the idea is that we're obviously allowed to notice that it's just a stupid idea and he thinks it's uh, a silly idea but what that meant is that we had the spare fridge so i took the spare fridge to the dump we had a spare fridge a spare fridge a spare fridge an extra fridge that you didn't need so he took it to the dump but what that meant is that we had the spare fridge so i took the spare fridge to the dump now as i say going to the dump used to be great you could go to the dump and get rid of stuff now you go to the dump you got to pass an exam you could go to the dump and get rid of stuff like throw stuff away now you go to the dump you've got to pass an exam i turned up, turned up at the dump there's a fella there with a yellow vest there's a fella there with a yellow vest a fella is like an informal way of saying a man uh, i turned up at the dump and there's a fella there with a yellow vest and a clipboard right that's an exam i turned up, turned up at the dump there's a fella there with a yellow vest and a clipboard who's done an mvq in clipboard management <laughs> He's done an NVQ in clipboard management. An NVQ is a sort of basic technical qualification. If you don't finish school with very good results, you might have to go to a technical college and get an NVQ in a basic skill. And uh, so, you know, NVQs in elect- you know being an electrician or carpentry or other kind of technical skills. I, I mean, I don't think there is an NVQ in clipboard management, but it kind of paints the picture that this guy is probably quite young and he's come out of uh, school and he's gone to some technical college and learnt a basic menial thing. The, the guy's not very qualified and the only uh, bit of responsibility he has is over the details on his clipboard. The clipboard is the thing that you might hold in your hands if you want to have a piece of paper with a hard board as a backing. There's a clip at the top 
uh, and uh, you clip your paper to the board. And, you know, you can imagine someone standing there with a clipboard, you know, who's got, like, a form to fill in, all the administration and stuff like that. And a clipboard who's done an MVQ in clipboard management. (laughs) (laughs) I turn up at the dump. He said, what have you got? I said, rubbish. He said, what have you got? Not what have you got. What have you got? I've got, well, rubbish. (laughs) And he said, well, what's in the back? I said, the fridge. What's in the back? I said, the fridge. He said, woof. You can't bring that here. You can't bring that here. You can't bring that here. I said, why? He said, we've got an environmental policy now. You can't just bring a fridge here. I said, why not? He said, well, fridges have got fairons in. You can't just dump a fridge anymore. Fridges have got fairons in. You can't just dump a fridge anymore. Fridges have got fairons. I suppose these are sort of chemicals or gases that are damaging to the environment. Fridges have got fairons in them. You can't just dump a fridge to dump something, to get rid of something. You know, so we've got the, the place, the dump, the noun, and also the verb, to dump something. So you can dump something in a dump, for example, get rid of it, throw it away. So what has to happen? He said, well, you'd have to phone us up. You have to phone us up. So us, yeah, phone us up. Uh, and there's phone up again, okay? Not just you'll have to call us, but you'll have to phone us. In fact, you'll have to phone us up. I said, no, what happens? <laughs> he said, then we come and get it. Then we come and get it, but uh, it's it's already here. <laughs> I said, who do I ring? I'm not, this is true, this. I said, who do I ring? And he gave me a number. I'm sat in the van. I've got my phone. I, was, I... He, I said, Who's do, who do I ring? And he gave me a number and I sat in the phone. I got my phone, I got, sat in my uh, car and got my phone out. Press the number. Press the number. The phone in his hut rang. The phone in his hut rang. So he's like, oh, you know, uh, arrived at the dump. The guy's like, uh, what have you got? Well, it's a fridge. You can't just bring a fridge here. What happens is uh, you call us, you phone us up, and uh, we'll come and get it. And he's like, but it's already here. And he said, all right, well, fine. Who do I call? And he put the number in his phone. He pressed the number. And the phone in his, in his hut rang. So a hut is an, here's another type of building. What have we had so far? Cottage, bungalow, and hut. Okay. You know what a cottage is? Nice little house in the countryside, maybe on the side of a mountain or something. You know, that's nice. The log fire in the middle of it, that's a cottage. A bungalow is a house with only one floor. So it's just the ground floor. That's a bungalow, okay? Um, And then here we have a hut. A hut is probably made of wood and it's not... It's just made of wood. It might be just used for storage. It's the kind of place where... um, someone who working at a dump would have their office so it's just one single room maybe made of wood um on a building site or something like that a hut so the phone in his hut rang so you know obviously it's ridiculous that he's got the fridge there uh he has to call the guy to come and get it and it's actually the guy's phone right there He answered the phone, he said, hello. I said, I've got a fridge. He said, where are you? I said, I'm outside, dickhead. <laughs> he went inside, answered the phone. Uh, I said, I've got a fridge. He said, where are you? And I said, I'm outside, dickhead. All right. 
Okay, folks, uh, that's pretty much it for this one. Don't forget also to check out the website. You'll see all those videos that I just uh, played to you there. Um, and, um, you know, hold tight. At some point, I'll do something about uh, uh, Liverpool accent so you can kind of, you know, really learn about it properly. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Uh, and I expect to speak to you very soon in some format. I hope you're having a nice day or evening or night or morning. Um, if you are currently on your way to work, then, you know, chin up. Um, chin up. Let's start. Uh, in a positive way put your best foot forwards I hope you have a good day at work if you're on your way back from work then well done I hope you did a good job today and you can now relax and feel comfortable in the fact that you've got the evening for yourself an evening of freedom Uh, if you're just about to go to bed then well I envy you because sleeping is a wonderful thing so I hope you have a lovely night of sleep and if you've just woken up in the morning then Here it is, a brand new day. You've got the whole day ahead of you. Uh, I hope you have a good one. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. (laughs) But like you've just slipped into doing that then. I can't can't get my head around how you can just... That's well, I, I tried to do one of you the other day, you know, like, because I think that the way you I talk... Don't sound like you that. Do so, you do sound... I think... I think That's that, what I that, sound like if I've I, had a stroke. I think... I think... I think that I, I say about you that you managed to make a lot of material last a lot longer than it would because of the way you talk. It's like me love-making. <laughs> as long as they're laughing at the end. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.